Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. In just a moment, I'm going to open this word with you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Before I read the text, may I share just a personal word or two with you. Every one of us today that live in this blessed land should be on our face before God, even as we sit here in this place. We are living in a day when we are literally crying out for God to show himself strong because he has found a people whose heart is perfect toward him. I want to read you just three verses out of the out of the verses I'm going to read to you in its entirety in just a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they're vain. And therefore, let no man glory in men. I want us to think for a moment, and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We're living in a nation where two separate groups and two separate individuals have spent hundreds of millions of dollars to try to get us to vote whichever way we're going to vote. Hundreds of millions. We hear about the economy being bad, and yet we spend millions just trying to find one of two men. I want every Christian to understand what I just read to you. Therefore, let no man glory in men. This is not about him or him. It's about whether God is going to be glorified or whether the world is going to get its way. The scripture is very, very clear that righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. I think it's very appropriate today that I'm going to be speaking on spiritual maturity, spiritual growth. There couldn't be a better Sunday to do that because every one of us are faced with that now. Where we are spiritually, where we can see things beyond the eyes of mankind and see things from God's perspective. We have to deal with that issue. Is there anything in our thinking that takes precedence over the thinking of men? Well, I think it ought to be this way. I think it ought to be that way. God says, I know what way it's to be. And I'm asking you to seek my face and turn from your wicked ways and hear from heaven. And I want us today to pray that God be glorified. He knows what he wants. He knows where this nation is as opposed to the coming judgment of God. He knows. I'm quite confident we're a lot closer than any of us think to the coming of the Lord. Next Sunday night, Jonathan Kahn will be here, the writer of the Harbinger at 6 o'clock. I beg you to come. I don't care how the election goes. You need to understand God's word as to where we are today. And this man has written a book that remains the bestseller in the New York list. He'll be here at 6 o'clock. Let me just tell you real quickly 
that uh, we've been in correspondence, of course, telephones are out and so forth, but uh, I, he, he sent me an email earlier before the storm hit, and he said, Pastor, please pray for us. When, when the last storm hit, I believe it was Irene, four foot of water was in our church. He said it almost devastated us. It almost took us out. He said this storm is far, far, far worse. And he said, would you just help by praying? I sent him a note and asked him if there was anything we could do for him. He said, please pray for us. Well, I spread the word as, as I could, and I prayed, and others prayed. I contacted him the next morning and, uh, by email, and he returned to me the email. We have no lights, no power from man, but the building did not get one drop of water in the busiest, most devastated part of New Jersey. Not one drop of water came in that building. I'm telling you, folks, there is a word from God in Isaiah 9:10, And I don't care how you have voted or you're going to vote. God's will is going to be done in this country. And it is clear in the word that we are walking in the steps of destruction exactly like Israel did in 732 B.C. And God has spoken to this man, and he has written the book, The Harbinger. Even those that know not the Lord are thinking, what, how do I deal with this? So I'm, I encourage you to come. Six o'clock next Sunday night. I believe that's November the 11th. Now would you stand for the reading of God's Word? The last core value of our church is spiritual growth. These are the seven things that make up the foundation of Sagemont Church. For those of you that are first-time guests at the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity. If you're a born-again believer and God speaks to you and you want to get in on what God is doing in this place, you can do so by going to our Connection Center, which is out a room just off the foyer. We want you to be in prayer about that if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, we want you to understand that God loves you. He has a plan for you, and he wants to speak to your heart. And so I want to encourage you to pay attention as we talk about this last core value. We do love God in our church. We do love others. Everybody matters. We do believe in the authority of Scripture. We are debt-free. We do believe in excellence. We do believe in relevance. And we also believe in spiritual growth. Let's see what that means. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 23. I will read to you the chapter. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I fed you with milk, and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envy and strife and divisions, and are not carnal, and walk as men. For, for while one saith, I'm of Paul, and another, I'm of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom you believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I've planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, 
neither he that watereth, but God that gives the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we're laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry, you're God's building, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. As a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds thereupon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid in Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know you not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And if any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple are you? Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Would you pray with me? Father, I ask you now to just speak to all of our hearts individually as you speak to us collectively. Dear God, I bring our nation, America, before you today. You know your plans for this country. Your timing, we do not know. Your will, we do know. We ask, Father, that those who are the temple of God will so express themselves when they go to cast their ballots for what the future of this nation holds. I ask you, to speak as only you can speak and break down barriers that only you can break down that have been built around some of us all of our lives. May we hear your will, your way, and regardless of the outcome, may it be said that all of your children did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. May God bless you and would you be seated. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, we read, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if so be you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Spiritual maturity. When a person becomes a believer... They are born again. The Bible has stated to every believer that you are a baby. You're a babe in Christ. The Lord has said, I will deal with you as unto a baby. I understand that you are a baby. You're not grown in the faith. 
<clears throat> you just by faith trusted the Lord to catch you when, he, when you jumped into his arms. And he says, I understand that, but I don't want you to stay a baby. I want you to grow up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Whenever a baby is born, there are some very difficult things for a baby to accept. Think about it. Babies do not like to be told, no, you can't do that. Neither do baby Christians. Well, yeah, I got baptized. I said the prayer. I joined the church, but I'm going to do whatever I please. There's a whole lot more things in my life that mean more to me than walking with God, not if you're born again. Old things pass away and all things become new. I'm telling you, when you're a baby, you want your own way. You don't even clean up your mess when you're a baby. Man, we have made a lot of messes in this country. And we, we're not doing a very good job of cleaning them up. And so many of us are so immature. You know, our minds are messed up. Our, our, our whole way of doing things, where we go, what we do, what we participate in, we just sort of like to play in the garbage. I was at a football game yesterday. started raining at the halftime. Everybody ran for shelter, except the little babies and kids. They found the biggest mud puddle they could find, <laughs> the biggest bunch of mud, and wallowed in it for the whole second half. I told my wife, I said, whose car are they going to ride home in? <laughs> you cannot understand some things when you're a child. You just can't understand. Let me tell you something, folks. There's a lot of Bible-believing, so they say they do, church-going people that just cannot understand what's going on in America right now. They just don't get it. They can't get past the economy as to the immorality that is running like a storm and like a big open sewer through this country, affecting our little children right on up to the senior adults. We've got too many senior adults praying, Our Father who art in Washington, hallowed be thy name. Let me tell you something. I don't care whether it's Medicare, Obamacare, health care, or who cares. God says, I care. And I'm the great physician. And I'm going to take care of you if you're my child. Now, if you think you can vote in a health plan to take care of you, you've missed it a thousand miles. If you think your God is in the White House or in the Congress, you've missed it a thousand miles. Well, I'm a Christian. Well, then act like it. Then act like it. Act like that every good and every perfect gift like your health comes from where? The Father of light. But immature Christians don't get that. And whenever a minister moves into the maturity of the Word, and deals with issues that are on the ballot for the election in America right now, the word begins to get out, you know, well, he's being political. You don't have to be political in a lot of things going on in this country. You just got to be either biblical or non-biblical. It's either right or wrong. And God has said, grow up. Look what's happening to your children. Look what's happening to your teenagers. Look what's happening to your marriages. Look what's happening to the morals of your country. Look at what's going on as people are self-destructing and committing suicides in, in epidemic numbers. 
Don't you understand? Something is wrong. And spiritual growth is where you get in the Word and you say, well, now, I know that Romans 8, 28 says <clears throat> that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord. All things are not good, but they work together for good to those that love the Lord. You can always recognize the voice of a small child. You can always recognize the voice of an immature Christian. The way they speak and what they say is so clear that they're immature. For instance, here is immature Christians. Now here are people who say, I believe in God, I believe in the Bible, I believe in Jesus, I believe here, I believe that. Now here's some of the questions that come out of their mouth. If a person is sincere in what they believe, I think they're okay. Now, that's baby talk. The Bible, said, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody goes to the Father except by me. Right. Yeah, but I just believe, and, and, and my concept of God, see, that's your problem. You've got a concept of a God that's a concept. But the real God is the way, the truth, and the life. Another, another immature question, why do good people suffer and bad people prosper? Well, you say, oh, I ask that all the time. I've been, a, I've been a believer 50 years. I never have understood that. Let me tell you why. why. Here's a question. Why do good people suffer and bad people prosper? Why do good people suffer? Because there are no good people. <laughs> you remember the rich young ruler? Good master, what must I? Why are you calling me good? There's none good but one. Well, was it the rich young ruler? No, it was God. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The question is, why, why do bad people have good things happen to them? And why, and that, that's it, just why do bad people? We're all sinners. But we've all been saved by grace or we're lost. Why does God let young people die? That's, an, that's a question of an immature believer. You want to get to heaven, everybody be on Medicare, Obamacare, or AARP, or everybody be over 100 years old, or 200 years old, or 900 years old, you know, like Methuselah? I don't think so. I think God loves kids. Matter of fact, he said they're greatest in the kingdom of God. But those are the kind of questions immature. Well, do you have to be baptized to be saved? Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No, you get to be baptized if you are saved, but you don't have to be baptized. Why? Because the Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But those are the questions that you ask. Well, you can be just as good a Christian by not going to church as by going to church. Now, that's what immature people that say they're Christians say. That's baby talk. Like the old preacher said, to answer that question, you can be just as good a Christian and not go to church as you can going to church. He said the Greek word for that is baloney. Let me tell you something, folks. When the church gets together, we need each other. Even today, without going into any details, because some of you have been involved, but even today, in two of our most faithful families, some very serious things happened this morning. And they were surrounded by people when they heard the news of the tragedy in their family today. Thank God they were at church. Thank God that they could get together 
and we could help carry one another's load. But see, immature people say, you don't need the church. Oh, yes, you do. You'd like, you're like saying a coal in a hot fire. I can just go out there. Just throw me out of the fire. I'll just burn out here, and I'll let my light so shine out here. No, you'll cool off unless you stay into the fire. It's okay to do it if you do it in moderation. There's a little baby talk for you. You know, just as long as you don't do too much of it. A little adultery in moderation is okay. A little lying in, in moderation is okay. A little drinking is okay. A little smoking is under. A little drugging is okay. You know, I don't think so. I don't think that uh, when you get mature, you'll believe that at all. Well, the only difference between being married and living together is a piece of paper. There's the world's immaturity. Oh, no, there's a whole lot more to it. It's called doing it God's way as opposed to doing it the world's way. The two shall become one flesh. Well, all churches are the same. No, no, they're not. Oh, no, they are not. You say, well, you think you got the only? No, I do not. Well, you're telling me you don't think Catholics can go to heaven? You don't think Church of Christ can go to heaven? You don't think Methodists go to heaven? You know, do you think Baptists are the only one going to heaven? Well, what about the Presbyterians? Could I tell you who's going to heaven? Whatever group that you might have labeled yourselves with, those that have been saved by grace through faith are going to heaven, and the rest of them are not. Now, some of them have been saved by grace in spite of their church they go to, and some of them have been saved by grace because their church introduced them to grace, but the salvation comes by grace through faith, period. But immature people want to fight against denominations. No, it's, he says either you're for me or you're against me. But what you want to do when you mature is, I want to be in a place that believes the Bible. I want to be in a place which teaches the Word. I want to be in a place where whosoever will can come and drink of the water of life freely because that's what Jesus did. You get around little babies, they're very emotional. Oh, goodness, they get mad in a heartbeat, don't they? What do you think about immature Christians around church? You know, he didn't even shake my hand. Another thing about little babies, you got to be careful what they eat. See, a lot of little babies, Christians, they're not eating good stuff. They're eating liberalism. They're, they're eating things that sound religious, but they don't go along with the Word of God. Little babies are selfish. Give me, give me, give me. Little babies have no fear of danger. You see, there's, there's a whole lot of Christians today. Right now, there's, there's a few, what, 48 hours or so before election day. I'm here to tell you, there are a whole lot of folks that say they are believers, but because of their immaturity, they do not believe God cares one iota how this nation votes. That's what they think. They say, hey, religion's over here and my politics are over here and God couldn't care. Oh, yes, he does. He has filled his Bible with talking about the nation. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Babies like to sleep a lot. Would you wake up that person beside you right now and tell them that the preacher just mentioned you in the sermon? <laughs> Babies are very strong-willed. Babies want to be noticed. Now, let me tell you, what's the church supposed to do with those babies? Take care of them? Nurture them in the admonition of the Lord? Grow them up in the faith? Tolerate them? Feed them, help them, encourage them, lift them up, calm them down, 
Hold them tight, but keep them from danger. Keep them from danger. The Bible says make disciples out of them. What's the formula? What's the baby formula? The Word of God. You start with the milk of the Word. Then you go to the meat of the Word. The Scripture says here, as Paul is speaking to the church at Corinth, he said, I was unable to tell you the truth. You could not handle it. You could not handle it. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to go into a situation where a doctor was going to have to tell your child that they had a very serious terminal illness, and you know that child was old enough to understand what the doctor said, would you sit in the waiting room and send the child in? I don't think you would. I know you wouldn't. I think you'd walk right in there with them and sit down and put your arm around them and say, in so many words, all things work together for good. We're going to listen. But our God is able. And whatever the news, God will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, our responsibility is to teach the Word of God, to have laboratories to where you perform the work or you, do your, you can serve the Lord, where you can take the mission message and go on a mission trip. You can take the spiritual gift God's given you and use it for the glory of God in the church. Oftentimes, little children... The Bible says a little child left himself will bring its mother to shame. A lot of times little Christians that are left to themselves and no one uh, in any way tries to help them to grow up. When that little child becomes a teenager, what happens to a little child that has no discipline at home when they become a teenager? Do they not get strong-willed? Do they not get opinionated? Do they not get full of anger? You get out of my room. You know, wh whose room you think this is? It's pretty obvious they don't know anything about mortgages. <laughs> but those that are more mature said, I don't even own it. The mortgage company owns it. That's whose house it is. But beyond that, it's on bigger. God owns this house. That's the reason we're going to conduct certain things in here, and we're not going to. Not because it's my house or your house, because it's his house. God owns it all, right? He owns it all. to try to present facts to a rebellious person. It's just like talking to a wall. I'm not going to listen. I am going to just do what I want to happen. The same thing that happens in the world happens in spiritual growth. <clears throat> Stubbornness holds it back. People have their own attitude. They have their own opinion. And they're going to hold to it until God comes again or calls him home. There's a step above knowledge, and that's wisdom. The Bible says if any man lack wisdom, what's he supposed to do? Ask of God. What will God do? He will give you wisdom. He'll give you wisdom. Acts 12, 24, the word of God grew and multiplied. Acts 19, 20, so mightily grew the Word of God. Now let me give you some quick things. Number one, spiritual growth involves growing our faith. The just will live by faith. We have to believe that all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. Not knowing what another day is going to bring, not knowing what's going to happen this week. 
we're all going to have to face this week. And if we live, if we live and we face this week, then the question is not what are they going to do now, but what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't. I, I, I can't do everything, but it's better to light a candle than it is to curse the darkness, do you not believe? Is it not better for us to go around and be as the Lord wants us to be? 2 Thessalonians 1, 3 says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet because that your faith grows exceedingly and the love of every one of you all towards each other abounds so that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God. For your patience, your faith, and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. As our churches are under attack, three last week, we understand, we understand that Satan is raging mad. Because, you see, if God's people, which are called by God's name, ever stop playing the crazy game the world's playing and humble themselves and pray and seek God's face and turn from their wicked ways, then we'll hear from heaven and God will forgive our sin and he'll heal our land. I want to publicly thank the more than 500 of you that have prayed around the clock for the last few days. Your labor is not in vain. I don't want to identify you because that's God's business to who that is, but thank God for you. Thank God for your standing in the gap and for all of you that have prayed. Whenever you prayed, thank God for you because God loves to hear his kids pray. God loves for his children to come and crawl up on his lap and just be still and let God hug them and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Not only does spiritual growth involve growing our faith, but spiritual growth will help you make right decisions based on fact, not on fiction, not on a whim, but on fact. No one would argue that this nation is not the nation spiritually that it was a few decades ago. No, no, nobody, nobody would, would, would argue that this nation does not respect its military like it did a few decades ago when they realized the high cost is prayed so that I could just preach this book today. They forgot that. That's not cool anymore. Whatever you do with your body, your body belongs to God. Do you know that? Your body is a temple of God. I just read that to you. Well, I'll do with it what I very well please. No, you better do with it what he pleases for you to do with it. 1 Corinthians 3, 16 says, Don't you know that your body is a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you realize when you walk into that little booth this week, if you had not been there yet, and a lot of us have already been there, but if you, if you been, hadn't been there, you sh- if you have one of those things with a curtain shut or you spread out your shoulders because you don't want anybody to know how you voted, The one you need to be concerned about knows how you voted. Okay, let me just trust you. Don't you worry about the precinct judges. There's a God in heaven that gets behind the curtain, okay? And he knows your intention even if the machine is is messed up, like I've heard some of them are messed up, all right? 
but you're representing God. And God's made it very clear what, what his people are to do. Turn from their wicked ways and help their nation turn from its wicked ways and quit condoning sin and stand strong in the Lord. Spiritual growth enables us to make right decisions. Who should I date? Who should I marry? Should I go to college? What should I do for a vocation? Oh, yeah, how should I vote? The list goes on and on. Yeah, whenever you grow, then you can make right decisions. When you're mature, you can make right decisions. Why do you go to a CPA, as you should, to do your income tax? If you don't have a short form, you need to have a certified public accountant or someone as smart as they are to do your income tax. Why? Because they know more than you do. Well, why should you go to God and do what God wants? Because he knows more than we do, right? All truth is given to him. So we go and say, Lord, what would you have me to do those that have not grown up in the word of God look at things far different far different than people that have grown up in the word of God and that's the reason the scripture says the word is to be a lamp unto your feet a light unto your path hide the words in your heart that you will not sin against God there's not a mature maturing Christian here today that doesn't know when that movie is one you should have walked out on if you ever walked in. There's not a one of you that knows the Lord can't tell the difference between right and wrong. That's not an excuse. It It is a belligerent, disastrous, defiant, I'll do it my way, God, and you leave me alone. Whenever you think about the economy, I want you to think that God said, I'll supply your need. Whenever you think about health care, I want you to think of who's the great physician is. Whenever you think about Social Security, I want you to think about who said, I will take care of you and I will not walk out on you. When you think about the Middle East, I want you to think about Isaiah 54, 7. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And how God has told us very clearly about what's happening in the Middle East and about Israel and where Israel stands in all this. It's all in the Bible. Abortion, Matthew 18, 6. Whoever shall offend one of these little ones, it'd be better if a millstone was hung around their neck. What about the family? It was established before the church. It's all there, folks. You don't have to call the political party. Get in the room and open the Word of God. And spiritual growth is seen in how you use your spiritual gifts, how you use your time, how you use your substance, how you use your assets, how you use that stuff, your mind, your influence. That's all there. But spiritual growth will also determine your vision. As I close, what's important what's not? What is important and what's not? We're... Do we, as growing Christians, and we never reach full maturity, we're always growing. When is it, or or, uh, let me put it like like this, where do we take our stand in the last days? Where do we take our stand? Either Jesus is coming, or our death is coming. It is appointed unto man once to die. 
And we're going to face the righteous judge. And he's going to ask, did you grow or did you stay a baby? Every decision you make today, every decision I make today, will be based on either spiritual maturity or spiritual adolescence. You know, you go through these stages in life, and I close with this. You start off, you need everything. Not long, about your middle teenage years, you know everything. (laughs) Then by the time you get in college and get married, you want everything. Then you get a little older and you can't keep up with everything. So you start having garage sales. Then you evaluate everything. Then you start simplifying everything. And then finally you leave everything. Now that's the cycle of life. But here's the thing. Even though we can't take it with us, we can go to be with him. Be absent from the body, be present with the Lord. And I think the only thing we want to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. I didn't trust you with a lot of wealth. I didn't trust you with a lot of influence. But you know what I did give to you? You handled it well. You were able to look through my word and you were able to see what was going on in your family, in your nation, with your children, with your neighbors. You were able to see the attacks that were coming against my bride, the church. See, they attacked Jesus when he was alive, crucified him. Now we're the bride. We're his heirs. And now they're coming after us. But I understand. God, you've warned, and I'm prepared, and I'm trusting you. Now that's spiritual maturity and spiritual growth. Now where are you? If you come to Sagemont, we're going to try to grow you, not to tell you the decisions to make, but to show you how you make a right decision. What do you look at? What do you observe? What about children? How are you going to raise your children? you just going to throw them out there and hope for the best? Or are you going to surround them with the love of God? How are you going to handle your finances? How are you going to handle your giftedness? What are you going to do with it? The Bible says whatever we do in word or deed, do it all to the glory of God. You can say what you want to about Tebow. But I'm telling you, he's in, a, he's in a profession where to stand up for God like he has ought to make every believer thankful that there's at least one that can stand against the toughest foe and not bend, bow, or burn. And if you're a Texan fan, excuse me, but I'm not talking about the Texans or the Jets. I'm talking about God. He's a child of God, and I'm talking to some of you right here, and you're just as strong as Tebow, and I thank God for you. Don't bend, don't bow. Do not, do not, do not go back and say, well, what's the use? There's a lot involved. Let's all stand together. We all stand on level ground at one place, and that is we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. One thing you can know for sure, that whoever comes unto him, he will in no wise cast out. As you saw these three siblings baptized, and the smile on their face, and the joy in their heart, As I had the privilege a few moments ago of seeing the young man as his family is here that came running down this aisle to be baptized when we had those 153 people baptized a few Sundays ago and he was watching 
on the television and his mother brought him in. The whole family is out there this morning and they're fixing to move to Alabama, to Birmingham, Alabama. And one of our wonderful couples got him a Bible for the young man and he is ready to go to Alabama and win Alabama for Christ. I'm telling you, it's exciting to see the boldness among young people. And that's what we want for everybody. Now, we're going to open our Connection Center. You heard them mention that a while ago, that those children went to the Connection Center. That's the room that's under the balcony in the far back, back beyond the television cameras. You go out in the foyer and then look to the left. You'll see Connection Center. There, people will pray with you, talk with you, help you, share with you, give you some things to take with you. And you can give your heart to Christ. You can you could join the church. Now, I'm going to go to a room behind this balcony out in the foyer across from the bookstore. I want to meet all of you that are first-time guests. I want to say hello to you. I have some gifts I want to give you. But I want to meet you if your family's with you to bring them. And uh, my wife will join me in a minute and we want to say hello with some other people and you'll just come through the line very quickly. But I just want you to know from the depths of my heart, you blessed us by being here today. So I, I want to say a word to you. So just come to that room over there, okay? You'll not be joining anything. You're just simply going to come by and let me say a word to you, okay? We're going to sing one verse. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.